0: All right, man, here we go. Another week, another topic, another uh,
1: hopefully insightful conversation. Hopefully so. You know, slightly off topic, I don't know when it will happen and actually materialize, but I think this weekend we're going to do a little home project on the wall behind me. So in a future mm. episode, the wall might be different. That's how we gone. Look, way, you know, the Sherwood production studios here will be way more sharp and. Uh, professionals. So keep your eyes open for that. You're, uh, you're going to throw people for a loop, you know, people get used to one format.
0: Next thing you know, it's going to be hard to hear the information uh, when they're so distracted <laughs> by this new, new
1: fancy background. That's right. You know, I got I nothing wrong with my background, but apparently my wife described it as quote unquote, disgusting. And so, you know, wow. we're going to go ahead and I was like, that's a bit harsh, but we're going to, uh, yeah. you know, we're going to, we're going to make sure that it, it looks good. So anyway, All right, we've got another question from the community, which I have open here on my computer. This is from Diane S. Okay, and she says, do you think members can hone skills during a class? Should a member put in additional work outside of the one-hour class time to hone these skills? When I'm coaching, I try to give information for somebody to improve a particular skill but I feel there are loads of Instagram accounts that have information on how to improve your skills. Do I direct people to these various accounts for them to look at and maybe spend a little bit of additional time improving? You know, for example, you could uh, look at hook grip videos for Olympic lifts and slow motion, and then compare your bar path. You know, there's great ones for double under drills. I feel like maybe the double unders don't come around enough in workouts to get into practice before workout, et cetera, et cetera. So great question. So from somebody out there really doing it at the gym, training folks. So the first one is, do you think members can hone skills during a class or is additional work needed? Not only can, but should.
0: And so I think during the class is the primary time that you're going to push your skills forward in anything because not only do you have a dedicated time to do it, a dedicated location to do it, you've got other people doing it with you, you also have the expertise of the coach mm. to do it in a way that is guided from, I've never done this before to now I'm proficient. And that's huge. Uh, I think that you know if people were to just be able to develop skills on their own, you'd have a lot more people coming in that could just do muscle-ups than would need the coaching. Right, that's right. certainly not the case. So, so should you hone that in class? Yes. And I'll, I'll go one step further and say that I think it's really important for coaches to make sure that they plan for that and allow for that. And we talk about it all the time but one of the traps that can take you away from that is when you have so many pieces to what you expect to get done for the day in the workout that you don't give yourself time to really refine some of these other things so so that's a big piece is making sure that you actually have time to coach during that because yes people should be developing skills in that session Now. Does that mean that it precludes you from doing something beyond that? Well, that's another situation, but let's start there. The square one is like, yes, in the session, they should be developing skills and you as the coach and the affiliate owner, you've got the responsibility to make sure there is time and attention given to that.
1: You, you nailed it right off the bat, one of the notes that I had written down. And, I'm, and I'm, let me preface this. I don't, I'm not saying that this is what Diane is doing. But this is what leaped into my head as a, as a general theme, which was a lot of people should probably stop jamming so much into a one-hour class, you know, yep. part A, B, C, whatever it happens to be, build up to a heavy set of five and then do something else. Just one workout a day, if on average, it takes 12 to 20 minutes, let's say, for the actual workout. That should leave you some time after a general warm-up to mm-hmm. focus on some skills that maybe relate to whatever that particular workout that day happens to involve and that also is still just greasing the groove kind of firing up your central nervous system and there's a sneaky hidden built-in practice while you're doing that and it's not the clock's not running so as the coach or trainer you can walk around a little bit more free and a little bit more casual because the clock's not running and people aren't frantic and stop somebody you know maybe the workout of the day is elizabeth which we all know should be done with squat cleans and so maybe you know you're in there and after the general warm-up people are starting to slowly build up towards the working weight and they're practicing and doing some sets of three or five and you get to walk around and help somebody out here hey focus on this hey go ahead and check this out and that's built in practice and same thing could go for the ring dip or maybe there was kipping pull-ups in there and as they're warming up their pull-ups you're walking around tuning up somebody who's already good, making them a little bit better. And maybe there's somebody who's still working on that kipping technique, and it's not there yet, where well, you can spend a little extra time with them, helping them get into that flow, making them a little bit better that day and then seeing what's going to be the appropriate scale or modification since they're not quite there yet. That's a really, really great use of that time. And in my humble opinion, not to oversimplify, but I think that's what people are paying you for, to be honest with yeah. you. You can get yep. a lot of free workouts all over the place. You can just do a free workout. But what you can't get is that person standing right next to you, giving you just some pearls of wisdom and personal attention and, and helping you improve it. Your toes to bar, your clean, whatever it happens to be. And like you said, you've already got them. They're in your gym. They're paying mm-hmm. attention to you. It's there capture that time because when they leave you're even if you gave them something to check out you're just hoping that they do it <laughs> but you don't yeah. have to hope when they're right in front of you so use that time because it's a it's a gift
0: yeah two things that kind of popped up there as you were uh, going through those number 1 i think that the work that's included in just basic practice of things is often discounted and deprioritized over, okay, I'm going to put a lift in. I'm going to put a part B in because we need this high intensity all the time type of mentality. And, and to me, I think that the coach really needs to modulate between the high intensity portions of the session, which necessarily have to be short or shorter. You cannot sustain high intensity long-term. That's what makes it high intensity is that it's not sustainable. Right. And so the other parts of the session should be accepted that they are lower intensity, but that doesn't mean that they don't come with their own adaptation. And I'll give you a perfect example. Um, Last week, I have some friends that uh, I see around town. Uh, They're kind of more acquaintances at this point, but we're familiar enough that one of them invited me to go rock climbing with them at an indoor climbing gym. And I said, yeah, sure, I'd love to join you. I haven't done anything of that nature in probably 12 years, 15 years, something I did when I was a kid, but I haven't done in forever. And it was fun. It was casual. There were four of us there. It was a bouldering gym. Over the course of the hour that we were there, I would say I maybe did six, seven basic climbs on the beginner routes. Mm -hmm. I didn't break a sweat. I wasn't out of breath. But I'll tell you, the next day, my forearms were sore. (laughs) I was feeling muscles in my upper back that, you know, despite the fact that I'm pretty active, um, they were sore in ways that I hadn't experienced in a long time there was a response to that effort despite the fact that there was nothing intense about it and it was for all you know observable purposes pretty pretty mellow so don't discount that that's a valuable thing to uh, to just work on these skills at an intensity that is low and allows for practice that's a big thing um and you know the second kind of point there is Feedback has to have some time domain associated with it for it to be most effective. So, For example, the benefit of coaching, like Pat pointed out, in in one of the most major ways, is that it's immediate. Mm. I do the thing, I get a correction, and then I can implement on that correction in the moment. It's not very useful if you were to get feedback on a snatch that you performed last week, and you're not going to perform a snatch again for another week. That feedback is meaningless almost at that point, because there's no way to adjust and learn from that. So time-bound feedback is really critical, and that is what coaching offers. So yes, I agree with you for all those reasons you said. They're there already. They're expecting your expertise, and that feedback loop is at the optimal timing for it to actually make a difference. So yes, that's all to emphasize
1: that I think we're on the same page. And. And there are, well, I guess you could coach any movement you want at any given time, but there might be some sure. ones that fit better in certain areas. So, like I said, maybe you do the general warm-up, you have a workout that day. The workout that day involves, I don't know, push jerks, right? And you know mm-hmm. that so-and-so, John, has a quarter extremity violation and, and well in that middle time, when they're starting to build up the weight and all that, it's a great time to walk over and and work on something like that, like a quarter extremity violation and a compound mm-hmm. lift, uh, your toes to bar technique, the fluidity, all that kind of a stuff. Something else, like maybe the double under, that's something which, this works really well in a workout, works really well as dedicated skill practice, but it also works really well as a warm-up. So something like the double mm-hmm. under, you can put darn near anywhere and have a lot of options. So like Diane said, maybe the double under doesn't come up that frequently wherever she happens to coach in the workout. That's okay. You could potentially put double unders into your warmup a couple of times a week, even if they're not in the workout that day. They're just a good thing to get your heart rate going a little bit. And to get you moving for the workout of the day. And then, you know, double unders, one of those things a lot of people struggle with. It gives you an opportunity to, again, get in more coaching and cater to people. The people who have the double unders, well, they're doing, I don't know, whatever, 50 each round of the warm up. And so and so who struggles, maybe they just struggle with single unders, and single unders are fine for them. And maybe there's somebody else, you know, who is in that. You can do two unders two in a row, and then you miss five. You do three, then you miss four. You know, that kind of person. Sure. They're like, well, I could do 50, but it would take me a year and a half. Okay, <laughs> well, during the warm-up, you're just going to get as many as you can in one minute. So you're not trying to do 50, but you're not doing single-unders either because you're, you're beyond that right now. So you're going to do one minute of double-under attempts each time that it comes around. You can kind of cater these things. To mm-hmm. meet your class needs, even if that movement doesn't happen to be in the workout of the day. And another good example, we've mentioned this before, you know, you're probably not snatching every day uh, at mm-hmm. your gym for the workout of the day. And so maybe, hey, that's a that's about as complicated as it comes for a movement. And if you don't do it all the time, well, how the heck am I gonna get good at it? And I've said before, like, I'm a huge fan of putting the Bergner warm-up in the actual warm-up even if we're not snatching that day i can do the bergner warm-up and be ready to do cindy which doesn't even have a barbell in it because my hips are getting open i'm opening my shoulders i'm pressing the barbell overhead i'm locking it out i'm going below parallel like I, it's a fantastic head to toe full body warm-up whether you're snatching or not and if you're doing the bergner warm-up a couple times a week you're going to be able to walk around, give everybody some nice attention without mm-hmm. having to just turn your gym into an Olympic lifting gym. So I think with a little bit of thought as to movements people struggle with, what shows up with what regularity or frequency in the workout of the day, do some of these things have utility in the warm up and therefore I don't need to send people home with additional work, I think you might find a pretty nice balance for your community. Yeah. I agree. Uh, You know, this
0: is a little off topic when we're addressing the specific question. But insofar as we're talking about skill development, I also think there's a lot of value in putting skill development of known skills that are already being performed well, put them after the workout is concluded and practice them in a fatigued state, holding your athletes to a really high standard. Mm. I think that's a great way to continue to refine mechanics of things that are already known. So if you have, for example, everybody in the gym has double unders, let's just say we live in this magical world where, awesome. <laughs> where that's it's a the great case. world. <laughs> uh, but you know, to stress that skill, have somebody practice it when they're fatigued and hold them to a high standard of execution under those conditions. Because the next time it comes around and they're fresh, it's gonna feel like a cakewalk. So that's one one other way that you can start to develop skill that's often, in my opinion, kind of overlooked. But I think we're kind of in this situation again where we're not uh, necessarily in an either-or type of scenario. And what I mean by that is, I think you and I both sounds like we agree pretty wholeheartedly that that is something that should be a normal part of the class structure. I don't think that precludes you from also saying, hey, Here's some things to look at outside of the normal class time. Where I think the pitfall might be is that I'm totally outsourcing that because I don't want to teach it or I don't Mm -hmm. feel like I'm skilled enough to to impart that to my people. I think that's where you got to be honest with yourself and say, okay, am I doing this because it will augment what I'm already doing? Or am I doing this to try to offload my responsibility as the coach? Because one of those I think is a great scenario. And one of them, I think, is not such a great scenario. If you're Mm -hmm. doing it to augment, you think it's going to have some benefit in addition, go crazy. But if you're doing it because you're like, eh, I just don't want to bother with that or eh, I'm not really confident that I can do it, I think you've got to
1: make a hard evaluation there. I I also think it depends upon, I guess the simple answer would be, is additional work outside of the class necessary? And the word necessary is in there. I would say no. But that does not, like you said, preclude you from doing it. Have have at it. You know, you've got unlimited freedom there. I also think, well, and and
0: not not to interject, sorry, but if you have members that are fired up to continue learning on their own, that's so cool. Like, of course, you would want to foster that, right? Like, if they're fired up, hey, feed them what you can, because that's a great, great scenario. Sorry. you snake in the grass.
1: I'll tell you what exactly, <laughs> you exactly, exactly <laughs> what I was going to say is it just depends on the motivation level of the member. Yeah. Like, yep. and, and honestly, if they're fired up and they're just that eager one that they're either in that eat, sleep, dream, yep. breathe CrossFit phase, i got to have them digging into the journals, what you got for me, coach. Hey, have Great. at it. Yeah. Dig into these accounts, enjoy these YouTube yep. videos, go crazy, come in with some fantastic questions. We'll like, why not? I mean, there's no mm-hmm. no reason not to. Then if you've got somebody else that's got, you know, five kids, two jobs, and no free time, and you're like, hey, I got some uh, double under <laughs> homework, I'm going to send you home with. Yeah. They're like, excuse <laughs> me, <laughs> I'll get right get, on that, boss. <laughs> negative. Like that's <laughs> yeah. so. It just it just depends on the member. Depends on what they have yep. going on. But if the desire's there, uh, more knowledge is always a, a good thing. And then if you've got a willing, knowledgeable coach, they can come in and. Hey, here's what I checked out. This didn't quite make sense, and you're like, ah, good question. Here's where we're going to implement that, or, or whatever it happens to be. What a great, what a great balance to have there. But I'll also say that know I, I don't really think it's necessary. It just depends upon your trajectory, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. the handstand walk is difficult, and I'm only going to practice it during class and in, the, in the infrequently when it comes up, and I don't care if it takes me a year to get it. Like, okay. Then you have athlete B who's wildly impatient. He's like, I want to be walking on my hands by this weekend. It's like, okay, well, that's a different trajectory. That's a different goal. And that's going to require a different time commitment. It just depends. The other individual will most likely get there, but on a much longer horizon. And, and I know this because you know, way back when myself and all my knucklehead friends were in my garage just looking at the workout of the day, watching Greg Edmondson just crush something and then trying to go into the garage and replicate it with terrible technique, no coaching, no idea what we were doing, um, no idea what a double under was, any of that stuff. I remember doing the filthy 50s and doing, you know, relatively well, and then the 50 double under taking me 11 minutes to do at, at the end of it. Like, and that's not an exaggeration. Like, frustrating and with yep. no coaching and there was no like double under video that you were gonna go watch. And there was nobody <laughs> else in my neighborhood. people <laughs> No. There was nobody else in my neighborhood that even knew what uh, CrossFit was. Nobody's doing yeah. double unders. There was there was nothing. And so what did you do? You just banged your head against the wall for weeks and months and little mm. by little you'd strung them together and you figured it out. It was the same with the power clean like the resources that are available now they just weren't there in 2005. It just wasn't a thing. But yet all of us learned and we all figured Mm -hmm. it out. Now, it was probably very inefficient. That's for darn sure. But point being, with no additional go home classwork, we all got there. And so Mm -hmm. is the additional work needed? I truly don't think that it is. If the desire is there, well, great, because the resources certainly are. And you'll just You'll get there a whole heck of a lot faster than we will, and you'll have a great coach to hold your hand and guide you along the way. That's a win-win. Yeah,
0: I agree. I, I would say that if somebody is interested in kind of creating this augmented learning structure where they send some things to their members that, you know, they can partake in if they want to. Great. However, I think sometimes it can be less of a time saver than you might think at first glance. And the reason is that despite the fact that there's so much of this um, kind of instructional content available and widely available for free, which is really cool. It's not all high quality and it's not (laughs) all presented in a way, right? Yeah. It's not all presented in a way that may be in line with the way that you're going to teach it at your affiliate. And so you do have to vet whatever it is that you're going to send out and not because there's a quote unquote, correct approach, but because it can be confusing to people that don't spend their lives looking at the differences between coaching styles, it's going to be less obvious to them that these are all fundamentally the same thing. It, all it does is create a point of confusion in their mind. Well, how come this guy says it this way and you're mm-hmm. telling me this way? They can't necessarily um, you know, make that connection. Then. and And that can be a loss of time in many cases because now you have to go back and explain OK, well, actually, there's not so much difference between these. It's just a different style of teaching, blah, blah, blah. When that conversation probably didn't happen, have to happen in the first place, if you just took the time to say, OK, this is broadly in line with the way that we teach it, it's not going to create that kind of confusion. We'll use that source instead of this source. That's something that I think is more time consuming than people might initially consider, even though on its face, it's like this is a time saver. Mm-hmm. You know? So just be careful with that, too. Um, it's, it's very easy to create a conflict that's not really real uh, but can create that scenario. So um, the, the other thing I wanted to talk about is just kind of delivery mechanisms for this information. So I don't know if you had anything else, but
1: I kind no, of wanted to and, wrap up with and I'm yeah, curious, like the practical. Dude, I'm, I'm curious where you're going with that.
0: Well, I think there's a few different approaches. Um, you know, I think depending on how you communicate with your members – uh, you know, like an email, something like that oh, on okay. certain topics can be really easy. Um, I know it's a little bit maybe out of fashion these days, but like a blog or a web page that you host for your, for your uh, uh, affiliate uh, or your coaching group or whatever. Um, not so much because I like that particular format, but what you need is something that has some sort of permanence that you can build a library around that can then save you time mm. in the future because you're like, hey, I've over the years, I've compiled an amazing resource on gymnastics movements. Oh, I have somebody struggling with the muscle up. Boom, I can point them back to this six step thing that I've already vetted that I really love. It's available to them easily, and they're great sources. And now it's just a click to get them that information versus me having to build it or find it again. So that's, I guess, what I'm getting at is if you can, try to create something that has that semi permanence that's searchable, that's easy to point people in the direction of so that you can continue to build off of your efforts instead of having to duplicate them every time.
1: Yeah. Uh, having a, a bunch of resources that you approve of at your fingertips, that's, that's going to make your life easier. No, that's 100% for sure. So great, great question, Diane. I think that's probably one that will resonate with a lot of trainers and gym owners all around the world. So hopefully that was useful. Uh, I, I'm, all, I'm all good. You're good as well? Yeah, I think so. I think that's uh, what it comes down to. Okay. Yes. Well, Diane, we appreciate it. And like we say, hey, you know, we take your questions. This is your show. This is not my show or Adrian's show. This is a community show. So we want to hear from all of you. What's on your mind? What do you like? What do you think about the questions that Diane had? If you're dealing with them in your gym, what do you do? Is it just coaching in the gym? Do you guys do send home homework, the whole nine yards? What resources do you like and all that good stuff? you've got new ideas for the show, new questions, we want to hear them. So you can just go to the BTWB YouTube channel, find this episode, and just post whatever's on your mind in the comments. We'll check them out, and you'll help drive the content for the new show. This is going to sound like just a a shameless plug, and and maybe (laughs) it is, quite frankly, (laughs) because at the end of all these shows, you know, we say, hey, if you want to help support the program, check out the VNR Cycles, and you can just go to the show notes under this episode on the BTW website, and there's a link you know, they will get you to the VNR cycles. But it's exactly kind of what we're talking about. If you're looking for a curated, vetted library of content that actually is meaningful and works, well, that's the whole point, quite frankly, of the VNR cycles. You To know, help you get your first pull-up handstand walk, improve some of your... Uh, Barbell skills, things of that nature, and uh and you can lay it out in the BTWB app on your timeline and your schedule, and that you know gives you nice, well laid out, detailed instructions as to what you should do to meaningfully advance towards whatever that skill is. That's the whole point of those VNR cycles. So they might be a good thing for coaches or trainers just to keep in the back of your mind in case you do want to just go somewhere that you know and trust. Go ahead and check those out. So, as we say at the end of every show. For Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we'll see you next time.